I'll talk to you about two people who found, who found Jesus. Two people who found Jesus. We have folks that uh, listen to these messages uh, through iTunes, all over the world, 34 different foreign countries, <clears throat> also through some different podcasts and then some live stream. And there are people searching for Jesus. God is drawing his people unto himself. And today I want to read Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. I have preached on this a couple other times in my life. Because you just you have to just you have to do these, you have to just continue to preach the Bible over and over again. You've been at, long, at it long enough, you'll you'll repeat yourself. I remember Bob Jones Sr. said, have the courage to repeat yourself. And sometimes, I, I don't do it often. Except if you're around me, you're going to think I repeat myself all the time. Nevertheless, um, tonight a message, I hope you can come tonight. I think the storm will be by and it'll be blue sky, beautiful weather again back here in the southwest Florida. I hope you can make it tonight because tonight's message is going to be the first time I ever in 50, almost 50 years of preaching now, first time I ever preached on this subject, the priesthood of the believer. I did a thorough study on it. Well, throughout uh, both Old both Testaments, read numbers of what other people felt about it, other people that loved God and were scholars. You know who a scholar is, right? That's somebody who agrees with you. But, and a gentleman, by the way, a scholar and a gentleman. But anyway, uh, I, I, tonight is, is, is I'm serving up some ribeye. I hope you'll be here for it. Verse 21 43 is kind of a lengthy passage for me to read. I will try to make a few comments as I go down through it and then bring some points out. And if the Holy Spirit will come, that blessed teacher, and teach us today what he wants us to know out of this book, I'll be happy. And you'll be happy. May it happen. When Jesus was passed over again by ship under the other side, he had been over to the Gadaran maniac. He had just cast out the demon out of the Gadaran maniac in a place called Gadara. I've been to Gadara, the only place on the uh, Sea of Galilee that has a cliff. And the Bible talks about the pigs that had the demons in them ran off the cliff. That's the only place in the whole Sea of Galilee that's got a cliff. That's how accurate the Bible is. 2,000 years ago, it's accurate. You can trust it. And he had just done that. That was a big deal. And much people, he came back over to the other side of Capernaum. Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Capernaum's right on the ocean there, right on the sea. The Sea of Galilee's 13 miles long and 7 miles wide. It is in a valley with an open end on one end, an open end on the bottom, so the wind will come down through that thing. Very treacherous, very deep. They call it a sea. Uh, it's fresh water. And yet uh, it is as uh, big as a sea. You can see, by the way, on a clear day from one side to the other. So from Capernaum, you could see Gadara. But it's about a seven-mile shot, and you're hoping the wind don't come up in that seven mile because the wind could come up and take you out like that, deep, big waves, a lot of wind. It's a tunnel. And so it was a dangerous place. You had to know what you were doing. And they didn't have Johnson, Evan Rood. Remember those? You remember those? 
Johnson Evermoon, and uh, they had oars, and they had sails, little pieces of cloth you put up there, and hopefully the wind's blowing the right way, and you get to go across. So it was a slow process of going those seven miles. So they made their way across from this place called Gadara over to Capernaum. By the way, Capernaum was called the city of Jesus. He did most of his miracles in the area of Capernaum, Bethsaida, and in fact, uh, out of uh, most of his miracles were done in that area. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, um, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, that's big, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. I like it. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And this woman does not have a name. And a certain woman, which had the issue of blood 12 years, and has suffered many things of many physicians, doesn't speak well of the medical profession, and has spent all that she had, Nothing's changed, has it? And nothing, and got nothing better, but rather grew worse. I'm not against medicine. I'm not against doctors. And Dr. Bailey, if you're watching this, just be patient. And when she had heard of Jesus come in the press behind and touched his garment, she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I like that. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she fell in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, that his power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples, this is ridiculous to them, the disciples said unto them, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her, that had done this thing, Jesus began to look round about. And when a woman, fearing and trembling, knoweth what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And I believe everybody that's been born again has heard those words and felt the result of it. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. I'm going to say this again, and I'm going to say it now. Fear and faith do not mix. Fear and faith do not mix. We have not been given, that is the born-again believers who believe in Jesus and the Bible to be true, we've not been given the spirit of fear. You get that. You afraid of COVID? Stop it. You afraid of dying? Stop it. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
I would have to say a lot of Christians don't seem to. I get we're human. I get the, I get I got the same thing you got. The pains of death have surrounded me. The sorrows of death have come compassed me. They're not pretty. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John. That's the inner circle. That's the ones who went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Those are the inner circle. Why did he do that? I do not know. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and see it's a turmoil. And them that wept and wailed greatly, they had professional mourners as well as people legitimately mourning of this death is 12-year-old girl. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, this is amazing. Verse 40 says, And they laughed him to scorn. The world always will doubt the things of God. They'll throw doubt all over it. Even to the place in this serious moment. They're in a serious moment. This 12-year-old girl just died. They've just been weeping and mourning, and all of a sudden now they're laughing? And when, I like this, he put them all out. He put them all out. Get rid of the doubters. He taketh the father and the mother where the damsel was lying, and he took the damsel by the hand. I wish I could have been there for this. And it saith unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Ooh, doggies. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. God wants to wow us if we'll have the faith. He wants to wow you. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Why did he give her something to eat? I don't know. When you see him, you'll have to ask him. She needed something to eat. I guess when you're dead and you come back to life, you're weak and need some ribeye. A lot of people tried to get to Jesus in his life. There were undoubtedly, and I don't know if you thought about these things I'm going to bring up, but there were undoubtedly thousands of blind men in Israel during the day of Jesus and all over the world. Yet only a few of them were healed by Jesus. Jesus did, a, I think, his recorded miracles in the New Testament and the Bible is like 34. Maybe a little off on that. I don't think so. He did 48 parables and I think 34 miracles. That's not a lot. I mean, he did way, way more than that. I mean, that's the ones where, where he, the Bible says he went to villages and healed everybody that was sick and everybody had demon. I mean, I get it. I'm saying uh, maybe he healed 100,000 people in, in the time, three and a half years. Let's just, let's just guess at 100,000 folks. But that's not a lot worldwide, right? Israel's just a small little place. And there were people up in Syrophoenicia, north of Israel, that were sick and and were blind. There undoubtedly were thousands of parents that had demon-possessed children in Israel at that time, yet only a few were delivered. Only a few got his attention. 
There were undoubtedly thousands of sinful women in Israel during Jesus' day, and yet only a few got his attention. There were undoubtedly thousands of women with an issue of blood in Israel during the day of Jesus and outside of Israel, yet only one that we know of got Jesus' attention and got healed. Now, issue of blood is a hemorrhaging in the uterus, usually after they have a child. Women would have children. Years ago, while you see their markers in the, in the cemetery, you'll see a husband and a wife and a baby, a husband and a wife, baby, husband. He, a, husband will have, a man will have three women. They all died in childbirth. A lot of times it was because of hemorrhaging. They didn't know how to stop it. Remember, remember C.H. Spurgeon? His wife had a hemorrhage for 16 years. Not enough hemorrhage to kill her, but enough hemorrhage to make her anemic, real anemic. She, the Bible, the Bible. Biography said that she uh, barely could get out of bed. She was so weak and pretty much was in bed for those 16 years because of this hemorrhage. This was not something so unusual. But what made this woman different than all the rest of those women is what you want to know. That's what you want to know. That's what I want to know. There were thousands of children dying in Israel. Jairus' daughter was not just, there were many of them had fevers and different things. But Jairus and that little girl, that little damsel, were saved. How did they get God's attention? Well, let's look at the setting. Jesus had come in from casting out the demons across when he came into Capernaum, he came from across the way, as I mentioned before. Great victory. His disciples were coming off a high. They had seen him control a demoniac who, had, who had, uh, was so wild and crazy that he couldn't be bound by chains. He was naked, cutting himself, and he wouldn't let, he was violent, and he wouldn't let anybody in that whole area tame him. Jesus comes to him. He runs to Jesus, said, if you had come to torment us before the time, Jesus casts them out into some swine. The swine take off, go in, fall into the Sea of Galilee and drown. The man, next you see the man in his right mind and dressed beside Jesus. That's a victory, brother. And that's what Jesus will do for the, that's what Jesus will do for you and that's what Jesus will do for me. And that's what he's done for me. You have no idea. We all, I, I, not everybody may come from the exact you know, same background, but I'll tell you, it wouldn't be for the grace of God, I would have been long dead. The life that I was living in my teens. But Jesus came from that. He comes to the shore of Capernaum, and who meets him? A big shot. Jairus was a big shot. He was the head of the uh, uh, Capernaum synagogue. I've been in the Capernaum Synagogue. They, according to what I've been able to study and learn, uh, they excavated, they found that synagogue, and they excavated it. And the very stones that Jesus walked on, you can walk on. Those are well-proven areas. Jerusalem's a little fuzzy on a lot of what they tell you. You know, Jerusalem really, that's pretty fuzzy down there. You don't know if it's the right place or not. But up in, up in the area of Galilee, pretty strong. Pretty solid evidence. That is the very synagogue and the very stones that Jesus walked on. I don't know about you, but I was thrilled beyond belief just to walk on the same stones Jesus walked on. But someday I'm going to do more than walk on those. I'm going to get to hug him. 
get to meet him, get to see him, get to kneel down before him at least. Thank him for what he's done for me. But Jairus, he was big shot. He, 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 had, uh, he heard Jesus preaching somehow or another. He knew about Jesus. May had, because Capernaum was the city of Jesus, it's very possible, you know, he had been in and out. He had heard about Jesus, maybe even heard Jesus, maybe even heard him preach. Maybe he possibly had even, he did most of his miracles up in that area. Maybe he saw Jesus do a miracle or something. I don't know. There was a lot of disbelief up in that area because Jesus was from Nazareth, not very far away from Capernaum, just a little inland. And they used every time that Jesus would do something, they'd say, oh, don't we know his mom and dad? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Don't we know their family? He says, who is, who does this man make him out to be? The Bible says a, a, a prophet without honor in his own country and among his own kinfolk, amen? It's true. Even with Jesus. Jairus Somehow or another decides in his mind as his daughter is dying, I'm going to go to Jesus because there's no other place to go to. You know, God brings a situation up in your life that, that, that there's no other place to go but God. You say, I don't know why God let that happen. Well, I'll tell you what. It wasn't just for the damsel that she could live. It was for Jairus and his wife that they would believe who Jesus was. Trouble comes into your life to drive you to God. If you get a grip on that, it's, it, 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 it tempers the, the problem. You know what I mean? When the doctor tells you you got cancer, you, it, it tempers it. You say, well, God's got an adventure for me. He's got, a, he's got something going for me. He wants me to get closer to him. And brother, it works. It works. And so... And when he saw him, the Bible says in verse 23, and he fell at his feet and besought him greatly. Picture this. He's in a big old crowd meeting Jesus on the, on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee there at Capernaum. And you got Jairus, which is, he's a big shot now. He's, he's part of the head of the synagogue, and he's known by everybody in that little town. And, and you know, uh, Jairus' friends are there. Jairus' enemies are there. People he liked or didn't like him, didn't like him. Jairus' wife probably was there, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jairus' family doctor was there. The doctors that had uh, taken so much money from them to try to help them, and yet the girl died anyway. And uh, they tried everything, possibly every possible health cure for her. And he caught word Jesus was coming up into the shore, and he made his way through. And I think because part of the reason he was able to get to Jesus is because of who he was. People knew him as the head of the synagogue. And, man, he wants to go to see Jesus, so he makes his way. But he don't care. At this point, Jairus don't care who sees him. He don't care what it is. He don't care about his, he don't care about his pride. He don't care what people think of him. And, brother, until you get that way, you won't come to Jesus. If you're worried about what people think of you, you probably aren't going to make it to Jesus. You've you got to throw all that stuff away and say, I'm going to find the, I'm not going through this life and missing the Christ the son of the living God, who died for me and paid for my sins. I'm not going to miss it. The world will try to lure you off and, and, and consume your time to the place you die and miss it, but don't you let that happen. You say, I don't care what people think. Well, what will my family think? It don't make any difference what they think. What will my boss and the people I work around think? It don't make any difference what they think. They're not going to be there for your day of death. 
Jairus made his way through there. I suppose he, I suppose he had a pretty frantic look upon his face. He recognized who Jesus was, came to him, threw himself down, and said, My little daughter, lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she may be healed, and she shall live. Now, I don't know where he got that kind of faith, but he had it. He had seen enough, and he believed. He had no doubt. There's no doubt there. You come, you lay your hands on her, she's going to live. It was emotional. It wasn't dry. Oh, my, we, need, we don't need dry religion, brother. We need empowered by the Holy Spirit faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit's unction makes orthodoxy function. That was old Bob Jones Jr., his statement he made in chapel so many times. We need the Holy Spirit's unction here at the gospel. We don't want a bunch of dry eyes at the gospel. We want people to be encouraged and be, and even come to the place of tears when they think about where they came from and where they, they've been and where they're going. Heaven is a wonderful place full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. On the way out last week, somebody told me, you made me cry. I didn't make you cry. Holy Spirit made you cry. By the way, I want to add a parallel passage to this uh, about him coming to her. Jairus only had one daughter. This was his only daughter. We find that in a parallel passage. We also find out in a parallel passage that she was as good as, as dead. When he came, she was on the point of death. And Jesus goes, he says, okay, I'll go with you. But the crowd's big. The crowd's enthronging him. It's pressing him, slowing him down. Imagine Jairus's frustration as he tries to hurry Jesus to the house and everybody's throng and Jesus wanting something from him, wanting some help from him. And now enters the woman with the issue of blood. A certain woman had issue of blood 12 long years. 12 years a long time, amen? Have you been sick 12 years? Anybody, don't raise your hand. You've been sick 12 years? You, you had anything in your life that lasted 12 years besides marriage? But that's not suffering. But 12 years of being six bad, man, 12 years of having any, you kids don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I get it. You ain't 12 years old, hardly. But I mean, you get 12 years of migraines or 12 years of the gout or 12 years of, of uh, some other thing that's going on, some cancerous thing. 12 years she suffered with this issue. 12 years getting up every morning with almost not enough energy to get on her feet, and yet she had the womanly duties that she was supposed to do. She was ceremonially unclean. I probably didn't notice that, and you wouldn't unless you knew Jewish history, but she, as a, as a bleeder, she was not allowed to come into the temple of God and do worship. No, 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 no. woman was bleeding, could not come in. Could not be part of that. Uh, she had no normal marriage relationship with her husband if she was married. We don't know what her background much, but she could not have normal relationships with her husband. Twelve years, that would strain a marriage for sure. Uh, she had twelve years of suffering. Hope, no hope. Hope, no hope. Some relief, doctor would come. Uh, she read the internet. They said, if you take this uh, juice of a bat, it'll help you. 
If you eat celery, this will cure you. If you eat your vegetables, it'll, it'll cure you. If you eat honey, it'll cure you. I wish I made a list of all the false claims there is on, on eating this and doing this. And if you drink orange juice in the pit of a, the pit of a peach, I am so sick of that stuff, I just want to do what I'm doing now. But he had all that. He had, imagine how much they had back then. Apothecaries and, oh, we'll mix you up some stuff from this, you know, and we're going to give this to you. And when you take this, this is going to be the cure. No. She didn't have a cure, didn't help her. Anemic, weak. And you know what it was real bad about being sick? She also watched all her money go bye-bye. Doctor said, well, you know, this is expensive now. It's expensive. I have doctors prescribe me a medicine. That my, one medicine I'm supposed to take costs $700 a month. Don't feel bad. $700 a month. 700 bucks a month. My wife said it's not worth it. Don't take it. So what do we do? We what we did what the Vietnam scare what some of them Vietnam drafty draft dodgers did in the sixties. We went to Canada and got it. What costs here is seven hundred a month and Canada is seventy a month. Don't ask me why. I don't know how that's possible. But nevertheless, the doctors took all her money. She spent all her money. The Bible says she spent it all. It was gone. She was coming for Dr. Bill. She was coming in the end of the... This was the end of the road, man. Twelve years of spending all your money and searching for your cure and, and, and struggling with if she was a married woman, suffering at the hands of doctors. And she grew worse and worse. You know what that did? It all prepared her for this day that she was going to touch Jesus. Had she not had all what I just mentioned, it wouldn't have pushed her out in public. A woman in that day would not have done this. They would be in the background. And she pushed herself through the crowd. And a lot of times uh, uh, Hollywood tries to make this where she's on the ground and everything, crawling on the ground. I think she just... You know, squeezed down through. She, he went by. She just touched his. She, I, I think she was re, no doubt repeating it. If I just touch the hem of his garden, a, a garment. If I just touch the hem of his garment. If I just touch the hem of his garment. And she got closer, and she saw him coming by. And he turned the right way, and she got through and slipped through. Put her hand out there and touched it, and it was. The Bible says she. Ooh, she felt something happen. Somehow she felt it. He felt it. He felt virtue go out of him. She felt virtue come in her and heal her hemorrhage. Matthew and Luke add a little something to it and parallel said it was the border of his garment. She kept reaching and repeating till finally she saw him. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. When God does something for you, it's not progressive, it's not temporary. It's real now and doable. She felt it. She was one of them old boys years ago I heard said, Preacher, it's better felt than tell. 
Who touched me, Jesus said. Disciples thought that was ridiculous. Who touched you? He's all these people touch you. But, you know, you get a lot of people come to church. A lot of people hear the gospel. A lot of people can read their Bible and not touch Jesus. They miss him. Why? Don't come in faith. Without faith, it's impossible, if I may say this, to reach him. It's impossible to touch him. It's impossible to please him. Let's say you're sitting there with all kinds of doubts going through your mind. Forget all of that. And get on your knees in your spirit and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner unable to save myself. I just believe in enough little childlike faith that Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, who gave yourself for the world, satisfied the justice of God. God sealed it with a resurrection and no other religious leader claims. And through, the, through these 2,000 years, we've seen your power go throughout the world. There were two major world holidays are celebrated, whether they like it or not, Christmas and Easter, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just, would you save me? If I just touched the hem of your garment, She left with salvation, peace, and she was cured. Now we go back to Jairus. Somebody comes up to Jairus and says, uh, one of his servants comes up and says, uh, there's no point in going any further. There's no point. Your daughter's dead. She's died. The string of his, if I may say it this way, the thin string of his faith almost broke. Almost broke. Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore. It's too late. You know what I think about when I hear that? Is there anything too hard for God? One time going door to door, I met a stripper, a local. She said she worked as a local stripper. She said, Bill. She didn't say Bill. She didn't know my name. She said, <laughs> this is a serious moment. She said, Mike. <laughs> she, she said, I've been talking to her a little while about Jesus, and she was... Uh, she said, you know, what? I found out what she did. And she said, you know, I'm too bad to be saved. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how dark my life has been. And, and really, I told her, I, I don't know. But I know the one who can save you. And I know he's got all power. He said, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. And I know that his blood is able to cleanse you from all your sin. I know that. I know that he's been resurrected and he defeated the devil. He defeated the flesh. He defeated the world. And I know that he's sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. I know that. I know he can save you. Little string of faith. Jairus' little string of faith gets pulled to its limit. When that servant comes by, the devil always going to come by you by the time you're getting ready to get saved. He's going to come by you and say, oh, it's not real. It's not worth it. It's not going to work. What will people say? He'll throw everything he's got at you. 
Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? You just trust him. Simple childlike faith. Father, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Jairus had touched Jesus with his faith. In Mark chapter 5, verse 41, 42, he took the damsel by the hand. He went in, threw everybody, threw all the doubters out, as I mentioned before, got in there. There's, there's, I believe among there was uh, Peter, James, and John, the mom and dad and Jesus, the six people, and, and the girl. Wouldn't you like to have been there? See him take the little, you know, when people are dead, they're gray, gray color. They're not nice, bright red like me. They're gray, almost black lips. He took that old gray hand with them gray. Doctors analyze you by your fingernails. I mean, they look at your fingernails. They tell a lot by looking at your fingernails. You go in there and go, you looked at she had them gray, black fingernails and that gray, pale skin. And life took a hold of death. And life conquered death. Death could not hold him. It was not possible. Because he... And wherever Jesus goes, he conquers death. He rules over death. And it was no surprise to Jesus, of course, but she did exactly what he said. Talitha kumai, arise. And she rose up, got her color, Woo. rose up. Give her something to eat. Oh, what I have loved to have seen the look on mom and dad's face. To her, the squeal. Because, brother, when that, something like that happens, you don't just get a little happy. You squeal. You squeal. Oh, my boy. Have you ever walked to reunions of these military people coming home? They got little YouTubes of military people coming home. They've been out, they've been stationed, you know, been out on the field for a year, a year and a half. And then the, the wife doesn't know or the mother doesn't know they're even in town. They're supposed to stay, be over there another six months or so. Somehow or another, they get come, they come back. They get somebody with a camera, and they should. They're good. If you ever want to be encouraged, watch a few of those. And then the mother will be sitting there in normal, you know, and all of a sudden the, her, her boy will come up and say, Mom, it's me. Whoa! She throws her hands up in the air. She don't care who's around. She hugs him on the neck and begins to weep uncontrollably, and they both cry a little bit and have a little cry together. Do you think you're going to have any less reaction when you enter heaven? I don't think so. I don't think so. Sick woman with issue of blood touched him and was healed. A desperate father with a little bit of faith touched him and was healed. They had something in common. All of them both of them had faith, boldness, and humility and got to Jesus through simple childlike faith. That's the way you're going to get to him. Now, bad things had happened to them to drive them to the point of making it to Jesus. You with me? 
Be careful how you read so-called bad things. They may be there just to drive you to some good that you would have never seen or heard of or, or been around had it not happened. And God wants you to, doesn't want you to miss out on what he has for you. Born again, Christian trouble comes so that we can be, we can be deeper, wider, sweeter in Christ. Who touched me? Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the Bible. May the Holy Spirit anoint the message, the word right out of the Bible, the word of God. May you touch somebody, whether by uh, internet right here in this auditorium. If somebody here been contemplating Jesus as their Savior, may today they, they pull the trigger on that. No more delay, no more doubt, just simple childlike faith. Not every question has to be answered. Not every doubt has to be answered. You start with putting your faith in Christ your Savior and the rest of the doubts will take care of themselves. Maybe you as a born-again Christian have had tough, uh, tough stuff, tough news come your way. Don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Come to God. Say, Lord God, what do you want to use this for? How do you want to use this I want, I'm going to be with you more. You're going to see more of me than you normally do. Use it for him. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.